I'm back in the Thunderdome, baby. And so is Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer as he joins us every single Tuesday. We talk with him about Malik Monk's comments, his recent play. Also, Miles Bridges winning the MVP in the Rising Stars Challenge, what that means for Miles and what we can take away from that. A lot of stuff to get to and this. You know, when I was a sophomore at Syracuse, I don't know how I would have handled what he's been doing. Uh, Rick, how was your three-point shot when you were a sophomore in Syracuse? You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. I'm back from New Orleans, getting back to real life, having to escape vacation. It was a lot of fun. Now I'm back on the Locked On Hornets podcast, which I'm sure Doug has missed me. Already got a chance to talk to him this morning. Uh, it was a great way to be welcomed back to the show, but also um, we also get Rick Bennell as I come back from New Orleans. Rick Bennell being this is a Tuesday. We have him on every single Tuesday, and you can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? Well, you know, absolutely. You know, I'm supposed to talk to Bobby Marks later today for a uh, for a Sunday story, and I said, look, Bobby. You're just going to have to wait. I mean, I Walker and Doug. <laughs> My sweet baby Bobby. <laughs> I'm back, Rick. Of course you got to come on the show. I'm sure Bobby doesn't mind. And I'm sure when you used our first names, he didn't need our last names. He knows who we no, are. No, no. It was like it was just like LeBron and Kobe. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. Rick Manel here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast and pushing Bobby Marks to the side in order to do so. We do appreciate the time, Rick. And we haven't had a chance to talk with you. You, of course, since uh, we got to see what took place over All-Star Weekend. You know, what were some of your takeaways from the Charlotte Hornets and the Rising Stars Challenge? I'm, I'm happy for um, Miles, certainly, that he had a, a really fun day. Um, you know, he got to do it um, in front of his, his family. I think he had a huge contingent there. And, uh, and that's really cool. Um, you know, guys, I was mildly surprised by what I'm about to tell you. I asked the players and also JB um, if, if they saw any tangible value in them being here. And I, I specifically said to JB, if, if the question I'm asking you is BS, please, please board me off that. And he said, no, that in the 10 years he was around the Spurs, he clearly saw that if, that if people really saw this as an opportunity to see what they can absorb, to see what they can sponge in, to ask questions, to see how elite, elite players, you know, function, you know, that this is really a tangible, valuable experience to them. I know that Kemba, the first two times he was an all-star, really made an effort to, you know, to step out of his comfort zone and ask a lot of questions of, of great players. And he told me that without a doubt, it was a useful learning experience. Uh, you mentioned that interview, Rick, what are Mitch Kupchak has been pretty consistent about not wanting to use that cap space to go out and spend it on a free agent that, you know, and we'll put this in quotes is some kind of star or has a, a huge role on this team. It's not, it doesn't mean that he wants to spend it. So with him being consistent about that, uh, what are some of the other ways that they can use that cap space that they are going to get with all these contracts coming off of the books? Um, the, the two things that he talked about with me when this subject came up in September before the season was um, 
doing what they can to um, lock in young talent. Now, unfortunately, there's going to be an impediment to that because um, ob- the obvious thing to do is to is to try to do an extension with Devon A. Graham. Um, NBA rules limit the amount of money that you can pay somebody until they reach you know, um, free agency. You will remember that that was a complication with Kemba in the past. So they may or may, you know, they could, even though they have cap space, there's going to be some level of limitation of what they could actually do with Devante. I am guessing, and this is nothing but a guess, but I am guessing that they're going to offer him what they can in the form of an extension, which I would be guessing off the top of my head, just understanding a little bit about the rules. You know, maybe maybe they could offer him like something approximating $50 million over four seasons beyond his current contract. I don't know whether that gets done or whether he's going to want to wait to see what restricted free agency would be like in the summer of 2021. But the other thing, and this is important to keep in mind, is trades. And that could come in, the, in several forms. Um, now that they have cap space, for instance, you know, maybe something like what they did with Jeremy Lamb, where the, you know, the Thunder had, a, had, a, had an overload of players who they weren't using. And they, want, they needed to create a, a roster spot, and they wanted to do something about a guaranteed contract. So they, they, they effectively traded the Hornets' Jeremy Lamb for a second-round pick. Um, there, there, there are going to be situ- opportunities out there, I would guess, if you can absorb a contract without sending anything back the other way. The other thing that cap space does for you is there are always teams in danger of going into the luxury tax that are looking for ways to park a contract on somebody else's payroll. I could see a situation where somebody offered the Hornets a future first round pick in order to dump a contract onto their cap. We talked with Keith Smith, or I should say Molly and Bill, who filled in for me on the wake up call, talked with Keith Smith and, and they seemed to, uh, take away the comment from Keith about we're going to learn a lot who runs the Charlotte Hornets this offseason. Rick, I know you have always been one to say the Michael Jordan effect as far as basketball operations goes has always been a little overplayed. Um, do you see what Keith Smith says, though, in that regard of uh, whether Michael Jordan might have his fingerprints all over this offseason or if Mitch Kupchak stays true? What do you think about those comments from Keith Smith? I, I heard him say that and he's entitled to his opinion, but I strongly disagree. Um, I think that, I think that since Mitch took over, um, he has been viewed as a whole old hand, somebody who, you know, is trustworthy of that power, somebody who has a lot of power. Um, they, they took a dramatic turn toward, you know, embracing a rebuild here. And I don't see any reason to think that next summer is going to be some sort of an acid test that the last two summers haven't been. The reality of the situation, guys, is that Rich Cho was way too much of a pleaser. It's interesting that he was perceived as an out-of-the-box thinker because when I talk to people in the organization about what it was like, you know, what, what Rich's strengths and weaknesses are, he didn't seem to be very good at Tell, talking truth to power. And so I think you have somebody who's much more assertive and also who has a lot more um, um, leverage uh, as far as sway in the organization and Mitch. So I really don't see how they're going to use this cap space as some sort of an acid test to how the organization is being run. 
More from Rick ahead. Valentine's Day may have come and gone, but it's not too late to treat yourself or that special somebody. If you need some spa time, make sure you're visiting the people who support Hornets podcasting, and that's Queen City Beauty Group. Queen City Beauty Group is a boutique spa with only custom services. That's right. Every treatment is customized to your individual specific skin and condition. Owner-operator Nichelle Mosley is a 2018 and 2019 international award-winning aesthetician. That means skin specialist, and that means she has the hardware. They offer international award-winning treatments for acne, age management, skin tags, melia, sagging skin, rosacea, sun damage, even body contouring. So here's what you got to do. Book the Valentine special today. It's still available, and it's only $79. It includes a consultation and an amazing custom treatment with Nichelle Mosley at Queen City Beauty Group, a $50 gift certificate for a future visit, or you can re-gift that, and a special gift from Queen City Beauty Group. It's a $215 value for only $79, and it's just for our listeners. To book, go to queencitybeautygroup.com. You book the Valentine special, and you make sure to type in locked on in the comments section of the appointment form. All right, we have, uh, I want to get Rick's opinion on Malik Monk, some of the comments that he's made, as well as the play of Kayla Martin and Jalen McDaniel since they've been called up. We talk with Rick about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. Have you ever had that one little bug that's just like, it's not completely out, but it's like kind of dangling in there. And then you try to sniff it back up to go away for good, but it's just, it'll, it'll keep popping back. That's what I'm going through right now. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Talked about the improvement of Miles Bridges. Malik Monk has been pretty consistent here as of late, the way that he's performed. You know, I have always been a big fan of Malik. Uh, It's finally good to see some sort of consistent evidence of that with Malik. You know, Rick, what do you think uh, the recent play of Malik, as well as some of his comments that have seemed to show some type of epiphany, what do you think that all says about Malik Monk's future? Walker, I was I was really stunned when I talked to him uh, at shoot around in the morning in in Minneapolis. I I have never seen him more open and more unguarded in talking about the last few years. Um, I'm so glad he did it with me by myself. Um, but it was just striking. Um, he talked about how you know it was he in 18 months he went from small town Arkansas where he described, you know, a lot of his high school friends in their 20s haven't yet had cause to get a driver's license. I mean, it is, you know, the last picture show kind of stuff to going to Lexington and being a star to being a lottery pick and being 19 years old in Charlotte. And while that, you know, was the right course as far as, you know, when you got a chance to be a lottery pick, go be a lottery pick and have somebody pay you millions of dollars to learn your craft. Um, he was very open in saying that he had a very difficult time as a teenager processing everything that was going on in his life at a pace that was a lot faster than he was really prepared to deal with. I'm glad he said that. It put a context on everything we've seen over the last two and a half years that I thought was constructive. Um, I certainly understood much better what this has been about, why we have not seen him assimilating things at a, at a rapid pace or why we have seen ups and downs. Um, I really felt for him. I mean, he doesn't want anybody feeling sorry for him, for him. I don't mean it that way, but you could really understand 
you know, that we when when a 19 year old gets plunked in into the working world, I told him, I said, you know, when I was a sophomore at Syracuse, I don't know how I would have handled what he's been doing. And so there was a context there that I had never heard before. Uh, Rick, how was your three point shot when you were a sophomore in Syracuse? Um, it wasn't as good as my Euro step. (laughs) (laughs) Was it, was your Euro step as good as Bismack Biombo's? I was just about to say, guys, I'm so glad that you, that you, you know, we have seen now, you know, the incredible (laughs) offensive power that is biz when he, you know, when he drew a double team, I thought to myself, Oh my God, it's the bizarro world. (laughs) You and Doug, you and Doug were uh, particularly taken aback by Bismack Biombo getting double teamed by the Minnesota Timberwolves guarding him uh, on an offensive possession. And going back to Malik just real quickly, um, Rick, it seemed like he made some comments over the last couple of years where Malik was frustrated as a young player. Now, do you ever know how frustrated he actually got and where he is right now compared to where he was? Um, maybe a couple of years ago, or regarding the coaching staff, I should say. I know you just went into that, but just as far as the relationship goes, maybe with a Steve Clifford as well as the first year under James Borrego. I I don't have a lot of perspective on that, Walker, but I will tell you something that, that kind of goes hand in hand with that. Um, I asked him, I said, who do you go to for advice? And he said that Kemba and Marvin were always on that list, and they're now they're gone. And the person now who's left is Biz. And he's, you know, and he said he said you ought to talk to Biz. And so I got it together with Biz, and I said, "What have you noticed about Malik, if anything, that would help explain, you know, that he seems to be, um, you know, getting this, that he seems to be a solider player, a le- you know, more consistent player." And Biz told me that he's a dramatically better listener than he was in the past, that he sees a real difference. Well, in my mind, when you're receptive to other people's input, um, that's usually a sign of maturity. Rick, uh, asking about another story that we saw broken the last couple of days or so, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that John Beeline really contemplated maybe stepping away from the Cleveland Cavaliers head coaching job that the franchise and John Beeline, they both considered, you know, parting ways and, and going their separate direction. What do you think everything that's gone on with Beeline and the Cleveland Cavaliers says about his transition to the NBA from college basketball? I think it says bad things about Dan Gilbert's um, judgment as the owner in pushing this to happen. Um, I don't think people, for some reason, I think this is a very hard thing for fans to accept the NBA and the college games are very different. And I don't just mean in terms of interpersonal stuff with, um, you know, you managing, you know, pros that are making more money than you. Um, I remember Dick Harder, the Hornets first coach telling me when he, you know, I mean, he coached at a very high level of college basketball. He was Oregon's coach. And then he became one of Chuck Daly's assistants with the Pistons. I remember Dick telling me that there were more adjustments in one half of one NBA game than in a month of the top level of college basketball. I know for a fact that Beeline was really overwhelmed initially by the complexity of NBA uh, defenses and what he had to do to try to counteract them. Um, We've seen this in the past. You know, the Hornets have made a couple of of out of the box hires that lasted all of one season as coach guys um the the players know 
when you don't know what you're talking about. And that's a very dangerous place to be as a coach. When the, when the players have found out that you don't know more about this than they do. Yeah, Rick, I was listening to uh, locked on Cavaliers and they were discussing how at one point John Beeline had them focusing a whole day on chess passes and and that's kind of a weird thing to do in training <laughs> camp. And when those kind of things leak, I mean, it has me thinking a lot about uh, JB and his ability to coach and manage this team through this rebuild. Do we? Do you think we underrate JB's ability in those areas? Because simply because there hasn't been any news out of out of training camp or during the season about his coaching ability or inability. I have told you too in the past that I thought that what JB. It was, the, it was absolutely the right thing to make this hard pivot to youth, but I thought it would be difficult in execution because he was dealing with a veteran locker room and there were going to be people who were not going to – people were going to be disenfranchised by all this. Um, I waited until midseason to write about how that's working out because I wanted to have a large enough um, sample size to really evaluate it. I was, I was kind of struck by the fact that people who – were playing less were actually you know seemed to be the strongest advocates for JB in that locker room. I'm talking specifically about Nick Batum and Marvin Williams as people who really thought that JB was doing a terrific job and was were conveying that to younger players, you know, that they should have faith in the guy. I will tell you the most important interpersonal skill that JB has and a lot of people in 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 life don't. Um, he is not afraid to have difficult conversations with people. He has courage that way. He believes in transparency, um, and and people have come to respect him for that, that he's not afraid to, to say what's really going on to create a sense of clarity in that locker room, and that's been really valuable. Um, you know, I, I thought it was interesting at the beginning of the season. I don't know if you remember this. When I asked Marvin, is there anything in season two – that you look back on JB and say he needs to do it differently. And Marvin said, yeah, he needs to stop worrying about making everybody happy because that's impossible. And that's the, there's been a dramatic change in JB that way. He's He's got his sea legs now. He's a, you know, he, he, he belongs as an NBA head coach, and he's not afraid to say, have difficult conversations with people. That was Rick Bennell. Good stuff, as always. Uh, had a lot to get to today. Rick Bennell, the Charlotte Observer, joining us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast and bumping Bobby Marks because of it. I guess now we'll allow you to go back and talk with Bobby now that you're Get out of here, Bobby! Uh, yeah, he's he keeps ringing in. I hope you guys didn't hear the beep on the phone. It's just yeah, it's kind of it's you know? we did, but we're more important, My so we just ignored it. I mean, we did. It. It's our time. It's our time. Rick, My thanks so much for the time buddy. once again. We always appreciate it. Sure thing, guys. Have a good day, Walker. Before we get to this third segment, I just have to say something, especially when you're gone. Podcasting on the Charlotte Hornets can be stressful. It makes my muscles tight just thinking about this free agency Sorry, period coming up. I know. Don't leave. What are you doing? Why are you Sorry. leaving me alone in the Thunderdome? The fact <laughs> is, the stress of daily Hornets talk and daily life weighs on us all. Whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension, it's a real... You're clearly th- the elite athlete in that example, <laughs> by the way, right? Just in the dichotomy of that. I just wanted to make sure. I got on that. my mini hoop. I'm an elite athlete on my mini hoop. Yes, you are. Pod Jesus. Muscle pain and muscle tension are a real thing. It's keeping you from doing the things you want to do or know that you can do. 
If you're dealing with muscle pain or muscle tension, you should try Theragun. It's the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. Feel better naturally, treat your pain, and get back to your life. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com slash locked on. For a limited time, our listeners get a free charging stand with a purchase which is a $79 value. That's theragun.com slash locked on theragun.com slash locked on. All right. One more segment to go here on the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid. And I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to yeah, be back. Great to be back on the show. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Amazing stuff from Rick Bennell. At least I, I think it was. As soon as he said Dick Harder's name, I just I stopped listening. I mean, is that the funny? Is that a funny coach name, or is that the funniest coach name? It's the funniest. <laughs> Are you serious? You got to be kidding me with that. That's one where you can't name your kid Richard. If you have that last name, you just can't do it. I'm sorry. Biggest, biggest NBA what if is, in my mind, is what if Dick Harder had coached Chubby Cox? Yeah, great one. No, 100%. What would have happened in In the the Twitter era? What if it had happened in the Twitter era? The best game I ever had in high school, I had a write-up. And the guy defending me, there was a, so the picture was me shooting at the free throw line. Um, But in the context of the game, it wasn't a foul. It wasn't a foul trip. And the guy guarding me, last name Cox, first name Holden. So it said, Walker Mm -hmm. Mail, rise up for a shot, uh, being defended by Holden Cox. Swear to God, that was a real name. It was a real name from a kid that I played basketball against in high school. Chubby Cox was uh, actually born John Arthur Cox III. He was a shooting guard, born in December of 1955, only played one season, 82 to 83, averaged four points, uh, 1.4 rebounds, and 0.9 assists. Yeah, I, I don't I don't care a whole lot uh, for the to bullets. get off any kind of take from All-Star Weekend. It was really cool to see Miles Bridges win. Um, I did immediately think about the Frank Kaminsky performance in the Rising Stars Challenge and was like, okay, maybe we think about that as far as giving this not a whole lot of credence, right? Like, it was great to see Miles perform with Luca there, with Zion Williamson. There was a lot of stars in that game. And for Miles to walk away the MVP, that really was very cool. Um, I don't know if that means anything as far as what we should expect for Miles. I, I take the last month of basketball that he's played way more than just that individual game where there's not a whole lot of defense being played. The one thing I want to talk about from the All-Star Weekend, Doug, is I, why do people think Derek Jones Jr. got robbed? Like those dunks were insane. It, let's just keep it. Let's just keep it real simple. Who was well, the well, hold on. Are we keeping it simple or are we keeping it 100? I, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it a band. I'm going to keep it a whole buck with you, Doug. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it 100. If we're just talking about who had the best dunks, mm-hmm. I have no problem saying Derek Jones Jr. won that dunk contest. Deserve the trophy. Cool with it. Aaron Gordon was great, man. He gave us great stuff. But the fact that people are mad that D double J took that. Nah, uh, he was fantastic. 
But the point is, Aaron Gordon had the best final dunk. I mean, dunking over Taco Fall, you have to give it up for the creativity, for jumping over So I don't care that his leg barely hit the top of his head. He jumped over someone that's seven. is being used loose Seven feet tall, five inches. Well, well then dunk over him. Then jump over him. If you're going to use it, then jump over him. He did. He jumped over him. I I mean, that's what I saw. And so, but, but if you look back at the dunk previous to that, I think Derek Jones Jr. should have walked away had they, had the judges not been colluding with one another. See, that's the whole thing. The, the, the dunk contest lost, not Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon didn't lose. The dunk contest lost because in my mind, it's illegitimate now. If the judges, who, who by the way, aren't real judges, if the judges are going to collude and trying to figure this thing out and give 50s to everyone where 50 means nothing, then then the dunk contest loses. It's illegitimate. Why would a star put themselves on the line if if Chadwick Boseman is going to collude with Scottie Pippen and embarrass them? I, I think you brought up Chadwick Boseman on the wake-up call. I think that was your biggest problem. I don't know what you have against Chadwick Boseman. Nothing. You, did not All, you didn't hear my take. You didn't hear my That's take correctly. I have no. I have no problem with Chadwick Boseman. In fact, I, f- I think he's great, and they should have talked to him. If you're going to have a celebrity on your panel, have them say something. What's the point? I'm with you with giving the 50s out too frequently. He who compliments a lie compliments none. And I think that's what we saw with the 50s. So I get all of that. But people out here discussing that Aaron Gordon got robbed because he was the better dunker. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. was jumping over people putting the ball between his legs. And then at the end, I felt like he could have done something else at the end of those dunks. The fact that you can do all of those, but still have the power with a little bit of shimmy in your dunks. What he did was crazy. Like we're trying to strip this dude for having dunks that were as good as Aaron Gordon and, and better in my eyes. And some of those dunks, they were freaking nuts, man. Aaron Gordon did not get robbed. I'm sorry. Two great, Great slam dunk performances from you at two separate times. It's unfortunate that you ran against really good competitors in Zach Levine and D-Double-J. That 82-83 Washington Bullets team led by Gene Shue. Not a great offensive team, but an elite defensive team. They were led by Rick Mahorn. That's their biggest star. They also had two players, two from a college called Detroit Mercy, Spencer Haywood and then Joe Kapicki, which are definitely names of two people who went to Detroit Mercy College. Assistant coach, and here's the local angle, Bernie Bickerstaff. Oh, there you go. How about that? I like that name, too. That, that's a good name within Bernie a separate B. realm. That's a good basketball name has not having nothing to do with any kind of sexual innuendo. Love the name Bernie Bernie Bickerstaff, Bickerstaff coach of the Charlotte Bobcats. Doug, was there anything that you thought was particularly interesting from what Rick said? <laughs> they also had a, they also had someone named Billy Ray Bates from Kentucky State University, and I can't think of a better name to college. Then Billy Ray Bates out of Kentucky State University. I've lost Doug. I wanted to go back. I wanted to try to grab the wheel and steer it in the direction <sighs> of actual Hornets analysis. Shelby Cox went to two colleges, Villanova and San Francisco. There you go. Billy Ray Bates is going to end the podcast here today. I've already lost Doug. I, I will make a second attempt at it, though, Doug. Was there anything that you thought was uh, particularly noteworthy from what Rick said? I think it's interesting, the whole Malik Monk being a better listener now. Um, I think it, to me, it speaks to how difficult it is to draft 19-year-olds because you really, you just never know what you're going to get and you never know how long it's going to take these players to, quote, get it, 
unquote, and understand that the NBA is a totally different beast and you have to approach it in a very special way. It's why when these kids, when they come out so young and then are immediate stars, you should really appreciate not just what they're doing physically, but what they've been able to accomplish mentally to get to that place so quickly. I thought the thing Billy was Ray Bates. <laughs> Kentucky State University. <laughs> I want, I, I want to get off something that I thought was interesting, but I can't do it with you now. You are way too <laughs> sidetracked by Billy Ray Bates. I, I like oh. that name. You love that name more than I do. I'm trying to get behind it as much as you are, but I just can't do it. Now, oh, well, listen to this. From 81, from 80 to 82, he was a double-digit score. 11 points, 13.8 points in 80-81 for Portland, then 11 points, then he gets traded to the Bullets. I think Billy Ray Bates had a little stretch. I thought the angle about James Borrego and talking about John Beeline was interesting. There is such a difference. If you want to criticize Borrego for his rotations, being crazy, maybe some of the strategy he implements out there on the basketball court, I think it's certainly warranted. I think there have been some things that he's done that – people might criticize, but to me, so much of coaching in the NBA is handling personalities more so than it is in college basketball. And Borrego, I think has shown an exceptional ability to do so. And we've talked about this before, but hell, I think we should talk about it again. What he's done with the personalities in that locker room has been fantastic, even though he has taken away some of the playing time there. And I guess one question that I might have, Doug, is, you know, it's the what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What helps Borrego? Is it is it having a personality like Nick Batum and Marvin Williams that actually helps Borrego? Or no, is there actually good praise to give to Borrego, even with some of the really good personalities in that locker room? And I think that's an interesting question to ask of him. But uh, considering how hard it has been for John Beeline, I, I just I think James Borrego has done an excellent job in that regard. Yeah, in my mind, he has passed a critical first step. You've been able to hold the team together in this very odd time to do a rebuild when you do have these veterans that you can't get rid of and you've got to manage. He's almost had to be like a CEO and manage personnel in a very interesting way. So he's passed step number one, and we've, you know, we haven't seen him in that next step where he has to manage a team that actually has some talent and has expectations. Because right now, I mean, even last season, I don't know that they had huge expectations. You wanted to see them get into the playoffs, or at least the organization did. Uh, but they've had zero expectations this season other than to develop players. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to be interested to see him coach for a team that has legitimate playoff contention expectations. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH, and at Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Billy Ray Bates, very similar to Gerald Henderson, according to Basketball Records.